0: A new set of guidelines for the use of driverless cars was presented by Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox at the G7 Summit in Tokyo. The reception to the rules that the government brought forth received a good response from the other members of the committee with the hopes that potentially... We might very well see a global set of standards that could be put together for this new technology, which obviously is growing here in the U.S., and maybe starting to dip their toe in the water in other parts of the world. John Paul McDuffie, professor of management here at the Wharton School, joins us in the studio. He's also director of the Program on Vehicle and Mobility Innovation at Wharton's Mac Institute. Good to see you again. Thanks, Great. Dan. Great to, to, to have you in here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the The ideas that Mr. Fox brought forth, what were really kind of the headlines that, that the U.S. wanted to bring to the table on driverless cars?
1: Well, first and foremost, they wanted to get out in front of a fast-moving phenomenon and try to give some guidelines that are helpful to the industry in terms of giving all the players a consistent set of parameters to shoot for, but without constraining with restrictive rules at a time that the technology is very
0: fluid and the strategies for using it are also very fluid. But it's also a time where seemingly the speed of how this is developing is is it's getting quicker by the day. I mean, we, we have the we have the cars being tested in Pittsburgh right now, but seemingly, you know, we have Tesla wanting to, you know, do more and more with, with driverless automation. I mean, it just, it, it's almost, you get the sense that it's it's like it's trying to be stuffed down your throat to a degree. Yeah, I mean, the last uh, six weeks or so
1: have just been jammed full of all kinds of headlines about any number of things you can imagine, whether it's self-driving taxis, self-driving trucks, uh, Tesla's new software, accidents are making the news. Um, many companies like Ford are announcing things. There's Mobileye, which is a supplier of cameras that are using yeah. these systems, broke off with Tesla and signed up with Delphi. So it's a it's a it's a very dramatic time, and I think probably that's part of why the Department of Transportation and NHTSA um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, wanted to uh, get out ahead of things a little bit with uh, these guidelines. See, it's also the case that states are trying to figure out how to legislate this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michigan has been trying to push a bill through their legislature. There's apparently a bill on Jerry Brown's desk in California. If all the states end up with slightly different plans, that makes it really confusing for anyone who's trying to operate in this space. Right now, when you cross a state line and you're driving, mostly you just have to make sure the speed limit hasn't changed. Right. But what if you've got completely different laws governing this new technology?
0: But it's obviously, as you said, it's it's that's the main reason why it's kind of important for the Transportation Department uh, and for NHTSA to, to really come out at this point. And, and as you said, kind of jump ahead of what could be potentially happening in different in each of the 50 states at some point.
1: Yeah, and I think it's uh, a really interesting time in terms of the relationship between the government regulating bodies and the auto industry. Uh, typically, the industry... Uh, Resists the regulations that are put on it. The government is more reactive to things that are happening and they want to have safety technology after there's been a lot of accidents, that kind of thing. This is different and potentially more uh, cooperative, I think. And so far from my reading and from what I've seen of comments in the industry, uh, pretty much across the board from the companies on uh, to various interest groups, the feeling is government kind of got this pretty much right in mm-hmm. terms of Guidelines that create some direction and some
0: parameters without uh, too many restrictions. Yeah, still, it's seemingly 2021 is that year that is thrown out by a lot of people as kind of the year the companies are targeting to make sure that they have this technology on the road. From where we stand right now, in your mind, are we still online for that? I mean, there's clearly going to be applications
1: of this technology that we're going to see, I mean, we're seeing it. With some Pittsburgh, of it starting yeah. now with Pittsburgh, yeah. and Ubers doing the same thing in San Francisco. I yeah. just, I just heard. Um, many of these will be uh, tests; they'll be experiments. Some of them will be in collaboration with cities. Yeah. They'll often be under somewhat restricted uh, conditions. And so, you know, some people who are a little less uh, bullish on the pace of change say, even by 2021. Uh, what we'll see are some applications under rather restricted conditions. Some vehicles may be able to use this for stretches of highway, which are quite straightforward in terms of uh, not a lot of traffic or not Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, on-ramps and off-ramps. Cities may dedicate certain lanes or roads to this. Um, But I think the... Still, the big kind of strategic and technical, but then also uh, regulatory issue is uh, what gets talked about in the industry lingo as is level three going to be feasible or not. Right. And, and yeah. level three is this stage where uh, the expectation is responsibility for driving is handed back and forth between the the software, the the artificial intelligence and the driver. Yeah. And
0: um, Which is exactly what's, really, right exactly what's going on in Pittsburgh right now. That's exactly what's going
1: on. And certain companies, Google is the first one to say this, Ford has said this now too, and we may see others say they don't think level three is, is feasible. Um, that once a human driver takes his or her attention away from driving, to have them come back even with bright lights and flashes and vibrations sure. to take and assess a situation and take control of it is, uh, is too risky, particularly at, at higher speeds. So if level three, level three is a, is a more reachable level technologically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, as you said, some of it's already happening. Um, level four, where there's actually no human intervention in driving at all, is much further away. So in, in some ways, this issue of what we see in 2021 depends really on whether uh, we see primarily level three or level four
0: yeah. implementation. The, the, the interesting part about about Pittsburgh is, and I read a story uh, uh, yesterday about uh, what was going on there, and they talked about uh, the implementation of having these cars out there. And there are times where You know, they're able to move fairly freely, you know, in and around downtown Pittsburgh. There was one case I think they mentioned about, uh, you know, a truck being double parked in front of a business and the car was in the right lane and saw, you know, it sensed the, the truck and stopped. And didn't move and didn't do anything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know, the driver actually had to move the car around in order to go. They talked about driving on the highways in and around Pittsburgh and the fact that they may even have to think about the software in terms of bumping up the speed of the car to stay in the pace of, of the of the vehicles that are on the road. And that would actually technically put it above the speed. You know, it's that five miles an hour that everybody yep. talks about yep. you can get yep. away with without getting a ticket. Yeah, but yeah. that would be in, in that realm. So there, they, this is. It's what's interesting is that even though they've developed it to a certain point, it's a continuous development. Even now, that's going to kind of get tweaked and retweaked as as we go through the next few years. Yeah, and that's I guess both um, the good news
1: and the bad news. I mean, it, it's a technology that is designed to learn from experience. So right. all the data that's generated from all this testing goes back to feed into the software to help it identify all these different situations that that come up. But you know, until we have all the current cars replaced with fully autonomous vehicles, we're gonna have a system that's a mix of human drivers and these early adopters. And humans don't follow the rules when they drive and uh, surprise, surprise. (laughs) And, and we're all expect that. We all expect the system to work with certain violations, little violations of speed limits and lane, lane markings and things like that. And um, if the, Cars follow rules strictly. It may actually make certain situations a bit more dangerous in terms of how others react to them, uh, but there there will be improvements um, on on that front. Just to be clear, um, and perhaps people already know this, the the Uber driverless taxis uh, in Pittsburgh always have one or yep. sometimes two Uber employees, and uh, in fact they're focusing so much on. Uh, paying attention and what they can gather for data, apparently they're going to flash a little sign to the passenger saying, please don't talk to us. Uh, um, oh, you know, really? talking to an Uber driver is one of the most uh, fun things you can do when yeah. you're out in an Uber yeah. and they're going to say, uh, cool it because we're gathering valuable data for this test.
0: It is interesting though, when the, when those cars were displayed for the first time, uh, they, they almost look like a futuristic police car with that, 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 Unit that it had on the top of top of it uh, of its car, uh, in terms of of the device and the technology, what is it, I don't know if you know this, but what's all kind of entailed in that that function that's on the top of the car? Yeah, I mean it's it's an extremely interesting uh,
1: set of issues and and, and trade offs and design choices that are being made here. Uh, you know, for a lot of folks in the traditional auto industry, they've believed that the path to this would be when vehicles could communicate with each other. So all vehicles would have so a transponder or something you'd have some agreed upon standard. The right. vehicles tell each other, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Well, Google was the first. They said, we can't wait around for that. That doesn't exist yet. We're gonna put enough technology on our test vehicle that it can do the job itself, right. combined with very detailed 3D map data. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main ingredients are, you know, there's cameras to spot things and there's radar. Um, and now there's a new kind of laser-powered radar called LiDAR. LiDAR is very expensive, but yeah. it may be crucial to the, to the future. Um, Tesla has just announced a, a, release of, a new release of their autopilot software. Yeah, and, in the uh, wake of the crash. In the wake of the crash. They were relying primarily on the camera, and in this new version of the software, they're going to rely primarily on the radar. So cameras are great at identifying objects. Radar is great at estimating distance. The crash was based on missed est- estimating the distance to this truck. Yeah, um, but really, you know, you kind of need both. <laughs> you need really good object recognition, and you need really good distance estimation. And it may only be when we've got camera, radar, and LIDAR all operating that we really get the accuracy that we need.
0: Well, one of the things, and we're talking with John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School, and your comments are more than welcome. We're talking about uh, driverless car technology and some of the advancements that have happened here in the last few weeks and also the guidelines that were uh, passed down by the Transportation Department at the G7 Summit uh, in Tokyo over the weekend. But one of the interesting things is, because going back to something you said before, because of the differences that there are between Between state to state, you know, let's think highways. Well, one state, the speed limit may be 75. Well, on your highways, on your your turnpikes and stuff. Another state, it may only be 65. You know, those are all things that in terms of the travel of somebody in a autonomous vehicle, whatever, that ends up being an issue. Because you have to have the radar or the sensors, whatever, technology-wise, to be able to understand that there's a difference in speed if you're crossing states. So again, that kind of goes back to what you were saying before. The ability to kind of bring this all under one umbrella at the federal level may end up being the best formula for this.
1: Yeah. and, And, you know, I think the federal guidelines, first of all, recommend the safety gains from this and most many of the other things on their checklist, as people have been describing it are focused on on safety. Um, You know, some people have said, well, if we greatly reduce accidents, maybe we don't need to make cars out of sturdy steel, which is crash tested a hundred ways. Well, at least for now, Department of Transportation saying, no, the cars have to stay exactly as crash worthy as they are now, because if the software fails, you're going to have a crash and it's got to protect occupants just as well as it it does now. Um, There are things about, you know, you have to essentially show the government what the design of your software is. You have to show how you've validated it. And I looked at the report. One appendix I found interesting is, you know, they're trying to project how do we regulate this stuff in the future. They say, well, one example is the FAA, which, which the Federal Aviation Administration, which regulates airlines. Sure. Well, you know, there we know what happened. We know there's one air traffic control system software that is approved True, yeah. and, and regulated by the FAA yeah. and which every plane has to use and which air traffic controllers use. And part of why that system is safe is because they have that one system. I'm sure it sometimes gets out of date that that it doesn't – it's seen as clunky and not as innovative as if there was an open competition. Yeah. But this is the question going forward for autonomous cars, you know, looking out several years to when it's more the norm. Yeah. Do we have one set of cars that have the Google operating system, another with the Apple operating system? Their algorithms may make different choices. Um, What happens when their rules conflict? These are some of the big complicated questions that lie
0: ahead. John Paul McDuffie joins us from the Wharton School. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, yeah. VW in the, in the news yet again. Yet again. Yeah. No surprise. <laughs> uh, the report uh, by Bloomberg earlier today that the Justice Department is looking at how much it could potentially fine VW without bankrupting the company we were talking before we went on the air i yeah. find this unbelievably interesting <laughs> because of the fact by by that statement alone we can kind of infer the fact that the justice department is saying we want to drop the hammer on vw for what happened here but we don't want to go too far so it, it's it's interesting how the justice department uh, and and obviously other agencies are thinking about how much this fine may end up being with VW? Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, apparently this is something that increasingly the Department of Justice does when it's trying to weigh penalties. And yep. I think the Deepwater Horizon, the uh, the oil rig that blew up in the Gulf, in the Gulf yeah. under BP, and deciding the fines for BP were one of the first times that they really kind of tested out this uh, this methodology. Um, so it's not new. It's not only in the VW case. And apparently there's a, v- a variety of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that the total fine would be dropped, but the way it was structured, you know, there could be an installment plan. You know, you got sure. 10 years to pay this off. Apparently sometimes you can get credits. If you end up facing uh, criminal or civil lawsuit penalties from, let's say, a bunch of states or from mm-hmm. countries in Europe, maybe that becomes a credit against what you have to pay uh, in the US with
0: sort of that total financial impact in in mind. So so we'll have to see. You also talked about the fact that uh, in in one of the stories, uh, I guess, earlier today, they talked about the sales numbers for VW this year. And the fact that despite all of this happening, and despite this being a global problem, VW is still one of the best-selling brands in the world right now.
1: Yeah. Well, when people asked me right after the scandal broke, is this going to put VW out of business? I had to chuckle because VW is a very big global automaker and most of its sales are in markets uh, even out of Europe. The US has been one of its smallest markets. Yeah. In fact, that was part of their uh, kind of urgency and almost desperation to increase their sales here with clean diesel um, to, to reverse that. And they had very aggressive goals to do it. But you know, Brazil, and Latin America, and Central America have been one of their biggest markets for years. They were the first into China. China sales for across their brands are huge for them, and of course, they're huge in, in Europe. And and yeah, I mean, I, I'd i seen some of these uh, statistics. First six months of 2016, remember the scandal broke in yep. September 2015, uh, VW sold more cars than, than anyone in the world. And, um, you know, they are profitable at the moment on the strength of these sales, yep. and uh, they may be close to, I saw, quote, $5 in free cash flow by 2018. So, so far, it seems mm-hmm. like we're pretty far from the the disaster scenario where VW is on the verge of going out of business. But there are so many things happening in parallel, right? In yeah. Europe, where the regulations are generally more friendly to the automakers, uh, it's been pretty slow to have uh, lawsuits or, or, or actions against VW. But, you know, there were a huge number of shareholder suits filed uh, just before the one-year anniversary of the scandal just right. a couple of weeks ago. And these are shareholders who are saying, you know, you knew about this uh, investigation in the U.S. for at least a year before sure. the news broke. Why didn't you tell us? And uh, yeah. and the shareholders seem to have unified more quickly as a force for getting, uh, you know, some some financial settlement than owners
0: or drivers in europe where it's still much more fragmented well and the interesting thing is is that obviously we had the uh the ignition switch problem with general motors and obviously the auto industry went through its own massive problems during the uh during the recession yet all of those companies are still kind of banging away and 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 having unbelievable sales numbers especially the last couple of years so i mean these companies Yes, they have to pay the penalty, and yes, they have to go through all of the, all of the issues, but seemingly, they are a little bit – I hate to use the term bulletproof, but they are from having just unbelievable fall-off-the-cliff company going out of business issues.
1: Yeah, I mean – uh, there's there's a kind of too big to fail uh, kind of case to be made about most auto companies because they provide so many jobs yeah. and they are governments are actively seeking investment in new plants or or whatever else yeah. and you know the German government very much wants to be supporting VW during this crisis sure. even as they're weighing various penalties. Um, so, they have a huge subsidy in Germany now to buy electric vehicles. VW actually doesn't have many, but they're promising to rush a bunch of them into the market. Right. That would help with their green reputation, um, but uh, the subsidies would also help as well. So, you know, part of what I find intriguing is that cars are getting better in terms of quality and reliability, yep. um, but recalls are going up. So, why do those things coexist? regulators may be stricter, consumers may be um, holding people to a higher standard, there may be more legal actions. Uh, It's still true that you you pay a lot for a car, but you get a much safer and more reliable
0: vehicle than you ever used to have. Sure. Great to have you again. Thanks for Thanks for being in here. Yeah, thanks, Dan. John Paul McDuffie from the Wharton School joining us here in the studio talking a little bit about the driverless car technology and the latest on VW. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton,